0: Can I just say, it is shocking to me that it took us an hour and a half of talking on The Hosey Show to get around to Hosey, but I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that you finally did.
1: Hello, and welcome back to The Hosey Show, where we take an in-depth look at legacies in the Vampire Diaries universe. A part commentary, part conversation, and almost always an hour. Let's take a look at how legacies fucked up this time. I'm Rihanna. I'm Victoria. And I'm Bree. And we're very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode, Alex Zalbin. You may know Alex for his updates and opinions on your favorite shows, from Marvel and DC to everything Netflix. He's no stranger to DCW, known for his reviews on Riverdale. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about the upcoming season of Legacies. Welcome, Alex.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I am flattered and honored to be on a Legacies podcast, Uh, so I appreciate you having me here.
2: No problem. We're glad to have you. We need to talk to more people about legacies. We need to... Hey,
0: me too. That's why I'm here. So, Same reason. Same reason.
2: So, legacies. What is legacies?
3: <laughs> what is the essence of legacies? A
1: very brave oh. question, to be honest. <laughs> like, who is Regina George? Um, <laughs> oh, going... <laughs>
2: <laughs> but okay so the hiatus we've been on hiatus for what three months four months i can't do math
1: okay. yes i, like I a, wasn't
2: keeping
3: track to be honest
1: no me neither yeah. i think this was a very welcome break to be honest um i think legacies really takes a toll on you to be honest and um i'm very excited to get back into our second season of the hosie show
3: yay i'm not sure if i'm ready but we're going <laughs> to do this
2: i feel like the hiatus only made season three more confusing to me because i had time to sit back and think about a lot of the things that happened Mm -hmm. and i don't know do you guys know
1: what happened in season three at all (laughs) well for me i think i've talked about legacies at least once a day to at least one other person so i guess it keeps it like fresh in my mind but mm-hmm. from what i recall it was just a lot of mess in the middle to get from a to z but the z point was very much like b you know like there was so much fluff in the middle of season 3 i feel like going from episode 304 which is like the season 2 finale but moved And then going into 316 and what we should be getting, like 320, but then now that's moved over into season four, a lot of stuff that happened in the last episode that we saw just felt like it could have happened the very next episode. So I feel like not a lot happened in season three, but still like a lot of foreshadowing happened, you know, a lot of redundant foreshadowing happened. I don't know about you guys.
2: (laughs) Um, I feel like a lot of season three was a lot of stuff that we kind of knew already. Mm -hmm. Like we knew Hope was going to have to turn into a tribrid and we knew Josie had relationship issues and they've been calling Lizzie like the bad sister for three seasons now. So I don't know why they spent a whole season kind of forcing that down our throats, but okay. Mm Um. it's just, I don't know. I have a very confusing opinion of Legacies at this point in time. I don't
1: know. <laughs> at this point in time. Well, they, <laughs> should, they should have gotten back into recording and filming and everything, like, this week or maybe next week. And that's, that's kind of exciting. It's kind of thrilling. But it's also, like, <laughs> we never see, like, behind the scenes much anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's that limbo that we're all stuck in like are they actually filming something today are they actually (laughs) moving something forwards in the story we have no idea we're kept in the dark pretty much until the premiere date because like a week before that's when they decide to drop the poster like um at the moment at this time of recording we still don't have the poster um but we do have the trailer and we do have a little bit of a taste of like the the tagline that we have for season four. Um yeah, but well, let let's get into that. What did you guys think of the trailer?
2: I know I saw a megazord. I know I saw Hope Waterbending.
3: I only watched it on mute. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which was probably a mistake. Uh, <laughs> I should not find that so funny, but I do. <laughs> um I was saying I was saying um I know I saw like a Franken Smash version of Clark and Malivore, I think, mm-hmm. briefly. Um, Hope was water bending, uh, going full Avatar on us. Yep. <laughs> um, I know that it was just more of just like shots that were a little bit confusing, like Hope standing in the forest and like a brief doc scene and. More just like showing that there's an impending showdown going on, which we kind of all knew was happening. Mm -hmm. What about you, Alex? Did you watch the trailer yet?
0: Yeah, I think as it goes, it's kind of a very typical CW first trailer where you're getting 15, maybe 20 seconds of footage. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it. So what they had to do was remind you where we are, which is Landon has been taken over by Malivore. Hope is maybe going to turn into a tribrid. Everybody's in trouble. It's teaching danger for them. And also, like you were talking about earlier, they're in such a weird place with the beginning of the season because technically they're the last four episodes of season three. So we're going to enter the next season, and it's not even really exactly the next season because – They had already filmed it. It was really just post-production that was delaying things. So if anything, I think what they needed to do with the trailer is just let you know, hey, (laughs) Legacies is going to be back. You should watch it again. These are the characters, except Josie, for some reason, was missing, I guess. Uh, But uh, otherwise, yeah, again, you know, it's 15 seconds, and it just sort of reminded me what time and what day it was on. That's what it needed to do.
2: They always leave out Josie. I didn't get,
3: like, a a very cohesive narrative from it. But then again, I watched it on mute, so I guess I shouldn't even be talking right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think what you missed was probably just, like, a voiceover. It was someone screaming. A lot of people have been saying or theorizing that it's Josie screaming. I personally think it's Cleo screaming just from the imagery we saw. Um, we saw a village hut being burnt, and she's on the outside looking in, so I just, you know, I connected those dots, like she's probably the one screaming. But I do enjoy the theory that that is Josie, Josie screaming, because she was nowhere else in the trailer. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, talking about the time, and where Legacies is, it it feels like a month has passed since 304. I think they they are very not very transparent on where they are in the school year. And this is like a school year too. You would expect like maybe events or stuff to maybe just remind you, oh, we're at homecoming. Oh, we're at prom. Somebody's birthday just happened, but we're not really getting all of that. And I think what they need to do in season four is remind us what time of the school year they are at. A lot of people have been hoping for Hope's birthday to come up that goes into like the tribrid hope that alex mentioned that is probably being teased in the trailer as someone said in the voiceover mg says i think hope is going to die so let's talk about that do we think hope is going to die everyone
3: probably but i don't know if they'll actually like they might do something like trying to be you know, sneaky and make her die and then she's not actually like a tribrid or something like they just revive mm-hmm. her and she's fine.
0: Yeah, I could see something like that happening. Uh, the difficult thing about the tribrid thing, and you guys probably know way more about this than I do, but it, that's the mm-hmm. sort of thing you can only do once <laughs> in the show. And you know, they keep teasing it and keep teasing it and keep teasing it. So I would worry, I think that's what you just said was a smart way of going about it where she does die and then come back, but there's only so many times you can pull that trick. So unless you're Landon, unless you're Landon, then you can do it every episode, it's fine. But (laughs) for Hope, she only gets one time to do that. So I kind of want them to just go for it. Like I want Mm -hmm. them to do it, turn her into a tribrid and then see what happens going forward.
2: Yeah, Um Alex, I
0: don't know if you watch Vampire Diaries all the way through or not. So this is, can I mention, just get this out of the way, I've been very nervous to talk about this. This is my (laughs) secret shame about Legacies and particularly being on a Legacies (laughs) podcast, I feel like I need to put up uh, out front, is I watched the first three and a half seasons of Vampire Diaries, which I really liked, I loved. I just got very busy with other things and wandered away and I've never Mm -hmm. gone back to watch it again. And I never watched (gasps) any of the originals. Uh, At work, I edited a ton of pieces about all the stuff, so I'm familiar with the characters and the settings, but Legacies is something that I kind of jumped into, and it's way more my thing, just in terms Mm -hmm. of Supernatural school, so I fell into that very heavily and watching it every week, just as a, honestly, it's kind (laughs) of like a comfort show, Uh, and... Then when I started writing about it, I've been terrified every time I put up a piece or say anything about it because there's so much lore and there's so much backstory in these things that I I always worry about getting something horribly wrong. So that was a very long answer to the question of have you watched the vampire diaries, but I just wanted to get that out up front.
1: That's
2: okay.
0: Oh, thank you. It's fine. Thank you. um,
2: I myself have only really watched up to the beginning of season five of vampire diaries before I got kind of exhausted and I couldn't handle it anymore. Um, I thought vampire diaries handled the concept of Elena turning into a vampire kind of well. They would like tease it or they would put her in circumstances where it was like, she was like this end of season two with um, Klaus having to sacrifice her to turn himself into a hybrid. It was like, she had Damon's blood in her system, but is she gonna die? And 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 is she going to turn into a vampire? And then it, it, it was like, I thought they teased it and built up to it very well. So when she finally is one in season four, it felt paid off in a way. With Hope, it just, it, I don't want to say they're doing it wrong. But with Hope, it's like, we all know it's happening, you know? Like, we all know it's happening. We yeah. all know Hope is going to die at some point and have to come back and be this... Um, unique creature that nobody's ever really seen before. And it's actually sparked a lot of discussion about like what she will be like. I've seen a lot of people wonder if she will have her powers or not.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but I, I feel like it's something that if you kind of tease too much, it can be underwhelming when it happens.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or mm-hmm. you just get sort of frustrated. It's like, come on, kill her already. I mean, not like that. But-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I think that I think especially in season three, while they had a lot of fluff in season three, because a lot of like going from the end of 304 after the circumstance that happened with Hope and Landon in the crypt. Mind oh you, God. that was also Turn over through. Stefan Salvatore's grave. That is his tomb. So, so they did <coughs> on, on his resting place, which is like, fine, whatever. We're just going to pretend that didn't happen. But, um, but then with Hope turning, a lot of it in... 15 and 16 felt like the same things were said where she just didn't want to turn and a lot of other characters were speaking for her like we saw uh lark saying like what if she wants to start a family which is very much not his business because nobody (laughs) asked him and then (laughs) um it just not a lot of stuff happened but in my opinion from the trailer I do think, like how V said, she's going to die. But because in the trailer they had teased that someone is on the dock with the um, Karen, the ferryman from Greek mythology, who ferries souls across the river Styx. So that was what led me to believe that Hope does die. I do think that is her silhouette. And it's a very dreamy landscape too so that makes me believe that she's already in the dead limbo and either she summoned it as a plan b or someone else has summoned the ferryman to her to take her back from that limbo space to the land of the living so i think we're going to see hope die we're going to see other characters react to her potentially turning but then she's restored to her um hybrid self cuz right now she's more of an active hybrid than anything and um so she's going to come back alive and everyone else is going to like react to that and i think um it also offers her the opportunity to really realize what her humanity means to her cuz if you think you've lost something and then you actually have it back and you're like wow this is how much humanity means to me because right now hope is very much in a place where she's like i have to do this you know she's not really thinking of herself for a moment it's okay to be selfish you know for yeah for yourself it's like self-care sort of thing but it's like <laughs> also like you don't need to let this um hanging destiny that tells you that you have to turn and take down Malivor blah 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 control you and that's a lot of what other characters have been telling her josie in particular has been like we're gonna find another solution with you it's okay like you don't have to do this alone and stuff like that and hope has just been stuck in that headspace that she's going to have to do this ultimately so that those are my thoughts (laughs)
2: Um, I I, I feel like they kind of waited a little bit too long to talk about stuff that actually really mattered in the concept of, you know, dying and not Mm -hmm. being able to move on. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it was 315. It's the one where she's talking around the fire and she's like saying, I don't Mm want to die because uh, I won't be able to move on and like basically see our family again one day if she becomes a tribrid. I, I I feel like it, that was very long overdue. Because if you think about it, Hope has known that she had to die to kill Malibor since the end of season one. Yeah. Like, and it was a big thing in season two in the very beginning. And then they just kind of like never really talked about it again. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, but in the beginning of season two, Hope was like, oh, I'm going to off myself. Yeah. And I'm going to throw myself back in that pit and you're not going to stop me. And then she just never did it. 204. <laughs> uh yeah and 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 so it's something that's clearly been on our mind and it's been an issue for a very long time but it's like it's only in random episodes and i'm like i don't know why this isn't a bigger part of her character the concept of dying and death and
3: yeah morality um, i don't know why they are yet- go like deeper into it it's similar to like with Ethan when he had that whole thing and they kind of like almost went deep into it and then they were Mm -hmm. like they just kind of like stepped back and didn't try to do more there. Yeah. I completely
2: forgot Ethan existed. My bad. Sorry.
0: So just I was just going to say to throw something out there and this might be well-known knowledge so if I'm repeating something that you guys know please ignore me but with season three uh, my feeling on it, this is more my supposition, this part, but my feeling on it is that Legacies was hit pretty hard by COVID production, maybe a little more so than other shows. Uh, you know, it's an impossible situation anyway because you're filming for less hours. It's way more money out of the budget to do this stuff because you're doing constant COVID tests and making sure everybody's safe on set, which obviously is the important thing to be doing and making sure. Nobody gets sick, but it leads to a lot of stress on the production. And I think the way that Legacies dealt with it in season three was not completely successful. And I think maybe I I hope that they know that and learn from the experience. But one of the ways that they definitely did deal with it is they broke everything up into four episode chunks because they were worried that they were going to be shut Mm -hmm. down at any point. So they said, okay, we'd film these four episodes and use that as like these little mini arcs throughout the season so that at least we'd get to do episode one through four and then get shut down. At least we'd have like a little bit of an ending there. Or if we got to do five through eight, same sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's right there. But... But so that's how they broke it down. And that ultimately ended up happening where the last four episodes of the season, which they shot, then got kicked to the next season. But I think that's why, at least that was my assumption, why you got that feeling from last season and the arcs, which is definitely something I got as well, which is that everything kept stopping and starting. Like they kept having to remind you, oh, this is what hope is about. Oh, this is what's going on with Ethan. This is how MG feels about Lizzie, because they never knew if there was going to be suddenly a months long break between that episode and the next episode.
2: How do you um, compare to like Riverdale, for example, how did you, Mm -hmm. what did they do differently? Can you, do you know, like, it feels like they almost went about it in a completely different direction, how they shot theirs.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, I haven't been on the sets of the shows (laughs) this year in particular, Mm -hmm. so I don't know exactly how the different shows are dealing with it differently. But the way that I understand it, first of all, there's certain standards that say Warner Brothers is doing. So they say across the board, all of our shows have to do these things. You have to do these tests. You have to test in this way. Um, The support staff need to be wearing, you know, full suits when they go on set, if they're on set at all. So they have those set of standards. And then depending on when they're shooting, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Legacies, for example, shoots in Atlanta, I believe, right? Or like yeah. outside of Atlanta. And then Riverdale's shooting in Vancouver. So we're talking two entirely mm-hmm. different countries here. So first of all, speaking about Riverdale, just because I'm a little more familiar with that, it, just in terms of production, What they were doing with Canada is they're going there, they were quarantining, they were not leaving their hotel slash Mm co-ops for 14 days. Like, they were trapped in a room for 14 days before the Canadian government would let them out at all, beyond constant testing, beyond any time anybody kissed in a scene, they would have to gargle for a solid minute, spit the gargle in a bag, throw out (laughs) the gargle. Like, this is the kind of stuff they're doing on the sets there. And presumably they have to do the same thing, but because you're in Atlanta, Georgia, the United States is just going to have different laws and different guidelines and different things you have to be careful of. But I think the other thing that it comes down to is the showrunner and how they're dealing with things. And mind you, this comes off of only just a couple of interviews, but my impression of Brett Matthews is that he is a very logical thinker about production and almost comes at things that way first in terms of the script. Uh, I'm forgetting which episode it was, but I, there was some season two episode I talked to him about I think it was like MG was locked in a closet outside the gym or something like that. And I asked him why was he locked in there. They're like, well, we were already shooting on there. So that's why we changed the script so that of course he was going to be in that closet because it makes it easy and it makes it it cuts out the amount of time we have to take to change from shooting on one set over to another set, you know, even if it's across the soundstage. So my impression is he probably, and again, this is supposition, but he probably approached this kind of the same way, thinking about it very logistically in terms of, okay, what do we do if we're cut off? Let's do these four episode chunks. What is the easiest thing to do in terms of, making sure that everybody stays on here when we can't have a lot of cast members. Okay, the school is in financial trouble. We can't have any students in there. So that clears it out to the main principals, the people who are quarantining together anyway. But then also from talking to some of the actors, they were for the most part just trapped in their trailers all day long separate from each other versus hanging out all day, chatting with each other. You know, you were mentioning earlier, you're not seeing the behind the scenes stuff. I would assume that's why, is they're all by themselves all the time. So, again, it comes down to, like, I think the laudable thing here is they're trying to keep people safe, and they're trying to make sure that people aren't sick. How it comes out on screen could be kind of a bummer, but at least the actors are safe and healthy, and that's the important thing. My hope, though, going forward is particularly given the last couple of episodes of season three, I think really started to roll and figure out the voice and how the characters working again. They were a lot more fun to watch. They felt more like legacy mm-hmm. season one and two to me, that indicates that hopefully they figured out, okay, here's how we're working in COVID. We're going to get those four episodes at the beginning of season three that have already been filmed in the same atmosphere. And hopefully they've been able to reassess things, figure things out a little bit better and a little bit smoothly for the rest of uh, season four, so so uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, but that's that's the broad strokes of uh, hopefully answering your question there.
3: It did, it did. Thank you. <laughs> and I think yeah. um, in terms of like the writing, at least in the beginning of the season, it seemed to me that they were sort of preparing for like, you know, what if Kaylee Bryant gets sick and then mm-hmm. she can't film anything. Um, Like, they were kind of just, they didn't go very far into, I think, developing almost all of the characters, and I think part of it was that they didn't want it to have, like, such a strong arc that if somebody needed to quarantine, they just, like, lost their entire plot. That's true.
1: Yeah. I think it's interesting that every four arcs, it's like, it just reads to me like they just had to rely on aria not getting sick which is kind of funny but it's also you know frustrating like in a storytelling situation you want to have more deep dives and i'm glad that 3b as we have all can agree on 3b started to feel and find its voice more as what legacies is um i think 316 or or three fourteen, the panda high scene. I think that's probably one of the highest key moments of the whole show and it's surprisingly out of season three, but it feels like a very like Legacies funny, like campy thing. Like this is very this is very the voice of the show right there. Um a bunch of students just having fun and getting high and just talking about like a little bit of deep stuff before So I am actually looking forward to the remaining four episodes, because that is where I think the writers felt more comfortable that this is our four episode arc. Like Alex said, um, you said, like there was always that start and stop, start and stop, go thing. And now that we're in these the last four episodes, this arc can finally feel complete where we go from. The Hope and Land and Sex scene amounting the, to that. And then we have Land and Possessed. And then we have, finally, this moment where we can see it all play <laughs> out. Finally. So I am actually looking forward to these upcoming four episodes. And also, if I remember correctly, we actually do get six episodes consecutively. So that should be interesting to see how season three finishes in these four episodes. And then we get a look two episodes in to preview what is season four going to be like and is this in the aftermath of hope turning or is have characters broken up or gotten together like i'm interested to see where we are taken
2: i just wonder when hope is going to turn like i wonder if it's going to be something that happens immediately or if it's something they're going to drag
3: out again i think they're going to like use it hmm I think they know that, like, things were a bit of a mess and the reception of the audience was not very happy. And I think they're going to try and, like, just, like, kickstart everything by Mm -hmm. having that big moment where she changes into, like, a tribrid. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. that way they can sort of follow that storyline and hopefully, like, you know, get some traction and... So do you think she's probably going to die in the like finale what would have been the finale? I I would guess so. I would guess. Mm-hmm.
1: I could even see it being like if the trailer was only using clips from at like one or two episodes even though they technically have all four done in pre uh post production. Um I could see it being like in the one or two or three episodes before the finale, they have Hope die. And, like, uh, that, po- the popular theory that she's taken back um, to the land of the living by the ferryman, that happens. So then Hope has that moment where she realizes she really cares about her humanity. And then in the finale, she dies again. Because, you know, Legacies is no stranger to killing characters, even
3: <laughs> if it's lost shock value. Yeah. I almost wonder if, like, somebody else is gonna die and the whole fairy thing is about that because it's mm. just weird to me to think that, okay, she's if she's, mm-hmm. like, a vampire and she dies, I don't know how they would do this, like, soul retrieval S- thing, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs>
0: Is this the is this the ferryman in the trailer? Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Is yeah. that so the first episode back, she's gonna try to get Cleo out of Landon's <laughs> mouth, I guess, is where she's currently. So so maybe it's something as simple as she's just going into whatever Malivore is now and maybe it's changed because it's taken over Landon. So potentially that's what you're seeing there is this uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, death. Uh, Charon, Charon, right? Charon, yeah, Charon, com- Charon, Completely blacked out his name for a second there. Uh, just, yeah, you could see like Charon into inside of there, he could be a monster in the Malivore pit and she's going through this surreal dreamscape to get back Cleo versus it specifically being about hope dying. But that's just a guess.
2: That would be interesting if Malivore hmm. somehow changed, I don't want to say genetically, but it would be interesting if he somehow changed on the inside oh my god i can't believe i'm talking about this um (laughs) if 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 something about him changed because he did morph into this host thing Mm -hmm. i don't know Uh, but
1: (laughs) oh you know that actually kind of does make sense like okay like in the in the grand scheme of legacies (laughs) nothing makes sense but in this having Do you remember when Cleo and Landon, well, now we know as Mallow Landon, in that motel, um, they held hands and they did like a yellow glowy thingy and it was Cleo's powers or something like that. And we saw like this whole um, sequence, a montage of what should be Landon's memories. So technically it's telling the audience that Landon is still alive, even if he is a host. So that could be interesting because a lot of things happened at that dock there besides like where that is where Cleo emerged when she was um, introduced chronologically and um, it's also That's... where Raphael killed Landon and it's also it's also where...
2: where like Hope and Landon broke up a good three times <laughs> that yeah,
1: yeah so the dock <laughs> is, is a lot of things have happened there with life and death and new changes and transformation so I could see it like hope somehow I think she has to someone MG sends her or Caleb sends her into a head dive into Landon who is in jail in the gym (laughs) oh man and she is sent into that landscape where it's not entirely darkness um it seems like Malivore somehow has the ability to mess with its prisoners' minds and create a very specific, personalized hell. For Cleo, it's um, um, one of her the huts of her old village from hundreds of years ago, like burning. And I'm going to also imagine that it's her sisters and they're all probably dying, um, burning alive, because that would scare the hell out of Cleo. And it would also make her feel like this this terrible guilt, like she thought she had left and went to Italy and she thought she was protecting her family. But Malivore is like twisting her um, horrible fears into the worst imaginable thing. So if hope were to head dive, I think one of the most um, unimaginable things, if I don't know if it works, if she's a prisoner or just head diving, but Malivore might be messing with her and she sees something happen at the dock. So maybe she's just like looking from the outside in, almost like an out of body experience, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. This is a very surrealistic territory we're entering with Malivore.
2: Yeah, I kind of lose track as to what malibor can and cannot do at this point <laughs> um he's like a prison but he can torture you mentally and make you have your worst fears but he can swallow people but he can also erase people yeah and he somehow he's able to cross continents i don't know how uh like he was in africa and then he was in asia at one point <laughs>
1: Can he swim? Can Malibor swim? It doesn't make sense to me how he was able to get from like feudal Japan and take the samurai and then also somehow make it to Africa at the same time at lunch or noon, get to the North American continent and just like swallow these Wendigos. I don't know. Apparently Malibor is everywhere, but also at the same time
3: like maybe he can like wormhole through mud puddles.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> he can create a oh portal and come out of <laughs> a mud portal out of the other end of the earth. Um oh god. <laughs> oh man, it'd
0: well, just
2: be funny if he could just like power. That, that would be funny. I hope they do that. I would die laughing if he could just <laughs> no. submerge in any mud ever and come out on a different continent. But <laughs> oh, oh I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he could do that. I mean, he's Malibor. What can he do? I mean, at the, at the only point the <laughs> only thing he can't do
1: is have kids. No! He can do quite literally everything but not have kids. Oh, God. <laughs> it's so oh, It's so funny to me. Also, like, talking about his power somehow he can also spit people out and mind control them like he made all of the monsters in season one like obsessed with getting the key or specific um thing tokens to make, set him free promising this great reward and somehow he created a portal in Texas and popped Ted out, the necromancer, out. So he can make portals. That's great. That's surprising. That's fantastic. He can go anywhere, guys. <laughs> we're never going to lose him.
3: <laughs> oh, joy. <laughs>
2: um. So are we? do you think we're still going to have Monsters of the Week this season? Oh, gosh.
1: Yes. Probably. Well, I mean, I think that's Brett's, like, biggest... Um, obsession with legacies is to create that monster of the week format um we're calling Buffy Mm -hmm. and everything um does it make sense for a show like legacies based off of like the originals no but we're gonna still get it so I'm fine with that I'm fine with the monster of the week format to be honest as long as they change the big bad because I think they need to recenter what that big bad is a focus off of Malvor because it's gotten tiring and redundant until they do something with him, um, like put him in Clark or something. So, where you have like an animated villain, actually. And um, I don't think we're ever going to lose a Monster of the Week format unless there's like some intense time jump or something in like season seven. Um, but for right oh now, oh God. God, season
2: seven. <laughs> But what do you we're think? still gonna be here talking about Malivore and like, oh God, okay, never mind.
0: <laughs> I I uh, I probably have the minority opinion of Legacy fans in that I like the Monster of the Week format. Just it feels <laughs> fun and fresh when it's really working, and some of the funniest things that have happened on the show are because of the Monster of the Week. But to the hmm. point that you all were saying, I think Malivore does not work, and basically has never worked. You know, it's worked at first as a reason for the monster of the week, but Mm -hmm. there is nothing threatening about a mud puddle. There there just isn't. And the design of the character, I'm sure they put a lot of work into it, so I don't want to slag off anybody's work, but again, it's not a good-looking monster. It's just a very (laughs) slow-moving mud guy. The most... The thing that I was hoping they were going to do earlier on in the season after... What was ostensibly the season two finale when Hope and Landon, you know, in the cemetery and he turned into Goop himself was that he was going to come back as Malivore, the thing that they did at the ostensible end of season three, because that to me, like you're saying with Clark, I think that's way more interesting. That's also an interesting mode for Landon to be in, probably not Mm -hmm. permanently, but it... I would look forward to like an entire season of Landon Malivore being the big bad. I think that's cool. And that definitely puts hope in and everybody else in an awful position. But Mm -hmm. like, like Mm -hmm. you're saying, I, I don't know if they ever are going to get rid of Malivore because that seems like something they've really focused on, but I would love getting back to the tribrid discussion from earlier. If the tribrid is the only thing that kills Malivore, it's going to be very disappointing if Hope goes through all of that, becomes the tribrid, and then does not kill Malivore. The if Malivore right. just continues. So I can understand if they go in that story direction, because then you get Hope sacrificed to everything, and she still didn't win, and that's awful for her, and that she needs to deal with that. So they may go that route, but I would much rather she does that sacrifice, kills Malivore, and then, like you're saying, we get a new big bad going forward, and then she has to deal with, what does it mean to be a tribrid? Maybe hope Mm -hmm. is the big bad. I don't know.
2: Oh, that's a good one. That would be cool. I was, it's weird. I thought that they would do Maliland in a lot earlier. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I thought that, um, like you said, I think Arya is a great actor and him being menacing would be so much fun to see. And I'm almost happy that we're finally getting to see him play this um, host thing. Um, but I thought they were going to do it a lot sooner and, but, and then like the dynamic between him and Hope and Hope trying to figure out like how to save him. I, I just thought it was going to be something that happened in season two for some reason. Don't All ask right. me why. Um, but it, it's now that it's happening, I'm like, okay, I, I, I fully predict that Landon's going to die at least two more times. Like they, God. <laughs> 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 they have to make it so Landon goes through some stuff again but I, I think they're gonna find a way to bring Malvor out or kill him but the monsters are still gonna be a thing like he's a prison if you think about it and it's, if you destroy him does the prison disappear or does it just does it kill everything that's in the prison or does it just like release everything you know what i'm trying to say
1: was was malivore like this gateway to an already existing dimension you know yeah
2: it's like i I feel like if the destruction of malivore would mean i don't think it would mean that everything that he's ever eaten um or whatever i don't think they would die too i just feel like they would be like released or something
3: yeah and then like Uh, the show would become them touring across the country
2: yeah, I thought oh that it was God. gonna go very supernatural, like Dean and uh, Sam supernatural. I thought it was gonna be like a eventually oh, just like okay, a monster yeah. hunting show or something mm-hmm. like that.
0: I love that idea. I love the idea of a supernatural prison break, and then even if they don't go international, because I think they're always gonna keep it around the school for you know budget mm-hmm. reasons, if nothing else, but. <laughs> But there's plenty of things that you could do there, not least of which is have some monster that was trapped inside of Malivore who is more powerful, is a big bad, you know, starts to coalesce Mm -hmm. the the rest of those monsters into some sort of gang or Mm -hmm. something like that. And then that's the thing that they need to deal with in Mystic Falls. I think that would be a really fun idea. I like that a lot.
2: Uh, Yeah, I should totally write the show, by the way. You should.
0: Do you know the other thing that they brought back in the last couple of episodes that I was really missing for most of the season? And was them being smart about the situations? Like, Mm there felt like... (laughs) the intelligence level of everybody when they were dealing with these situations went down about 10 to 20% over the course of most of season three. Oh yeah. When one of the joys of season one and two was they were always in this mode of we've dealt with supernatural stuff our entire lives. When this monster comes in here, it's not actually a mystery. We have figured it out in under five minutes and then there's a twist that they need to deal with and things get amped up a bit so that we as the audience are enjoying the show. But, A lot of season three was spent wandering around very confused about these monsters and these plans and very behind the ball in terms of what was going on. And it just is not as much fun to watch. But again, I think that really came back in the last couple of episodes where the characters immediately figured out what was going on with the Midsummer thing and immediately figured out what was going on the star Wars thing and then had more Mm -hmm. roadblocks thrown in their way. But, and that's Mm -hmm. what makes the show special and that's what makes it fun, which again, I think really points to me that these next four episodes, the first four episodes of season four are hopefully going to be in the same mode and the same uh, amount of excitement to them.
3: Yeah. That is
1: so true. I didn't realize that their IQ went down.
0: <laughs> they were like... all
2: holding
1: the idiot ball, which is like I get that's like a, a writer's tactic. You need to have your smartest characters some like make a slip up so that they can move something. But it felt like they were all collectively holding this giant yarn of idiot ballness, and for several episodes, like the entirety of three A was them being ridiculous. And um, Harry, you were saying with. Uh, getting to a monster where they do something that they think is the right way and suddenly there's this plot twist and everything goes horribly wrong that brings to my mind 311 with the burbilang where hope thinks she has this plan and she's astral projecting with landon or clay landon and now she's turning into a monster that was one of my favorite episodes because Mm -hmm. you know it was it was the start of the episode we were like oh this is simple where's this gonna go and then suddenly she's infected with this virus-transforming thing, and now half her face is melted and gnarly. And and then the rest of the episode became this really intense picking up the speed where uh, Josie and Landon were thinking at the same pace, like we have to save her. Now we know that she has an hour until the transformation is complete. And um, I'm really enjoying episodes like that. So the 311, the Star yeah. Wars episode, the cult episode, um, things like that, that get the squad um, surprised and having to think quickly or think different ways because yeah. there's at least two different ways of thinking in the squad. There's the one that's like planning and researching that kind of like more passive um, way to take down a monster. We saw that with the talent show episode where Landon was very book smart actually. And he realized that this was related to uh, like a Star Trek uh, slug in your ear, mind control thing. And that was very a passive skill that I think is not talked about enough where Landon is actually quite useful when it comes to that but they spent too much time harping on him trying to be an active, physical member of the squad that can take down these monsters. And I think that is something that Legacies is lackluster in, where they try to make Landon be something where it's okay that he's just this uh, passive Giles character from Buffy. And then you have the active way of doing things where that's very much Hope's thing. Uh, She just goes into it, full action, and then you see uh, these repercussions happen where, you know, things like the Berber Lang thing happen. And that's what's exciting that Lexis is finally getting back on its feet where they can get back to both types of thinking and taking down a monster. As long as they can have yeah. monsters that are actually like impressive or like cool to think about. Cause uh, I would argue that the episode with the, um, the small furry babies was not very <laughs> compelling because it it was just it kind of rendered me out of the immersion experience. I was just sitting on my couch, like watching it in live time, like this is what I'm watching. OK, but in other episodes, <laughs> I'm way more immersed into it. I'm like, wow. Oh, my gosh. Hope is in danger. The burbling episode. She was in real yeah. danger there. And I want to get back into that
3: i think with like the little furry thing what bothered me about that episode was that i think it could have been done like a lot better mm-hmm. i guess like it's not that like that monster concept wasn't good it was like okay so you have this monster like aggravating these tensions so why didn't they go further into the tension i guess yeah
2: like, i it's it when you think back on like all the monsters and how there was some like I forgot what it was called. The one that Wade end up killing with his fairy dust. Uh,
1: the corine, corine Yeah,
2: yeah. It's <laughs> like <laughs> there's there's some that like mess with them mentally and and mm-hmm. and make them say things they don't mean or make them act a certain way, or they're put in situations like with the Star Wars episode where they're completely like just in like a mind thing like Mm -hmm. they're not but and they have to figure out how to get out and and those feel so much more rewarding to watch versus the ones like the leprechaun or the fur baby episode because it's like all they really did was like walk around and say we need to find this monster and then they blow it up or something (laughs) no you know it's 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 something different when you see them actually have to not only be affected by a monster but have to get out of something that they've done to them versus just like, oh, we need to kill this thing. And then it's just a bunch of walking and searching and walking and searching. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. I understand that they had, they went through a lot of stuff with COVID and they probably couldn't do as much as they wanted. But it was sort of frustrating to watch. I would rather them not have a monster and them focus on something else than have something that doesn't really do anything. Like we had a whole leprechaun and he stole a bunch of money and then he threw, like blew up and that was it. You know, <laughs> it, it it wasn't satisfying. It didn't do anything for the characters. You know, I could, I could think of monsters that helped a lark. I remember the tree in the season one was like helped him talk about Joe for the first time and helped mm-hmm. him, talk about how he would do anything for his daughters. You know, they they have these really interesting moments, character moments with these monsters sometimes. And then other times it's like, okay, I get that you want to do this because it's cute or it's funny, but what is it doing for your story? Yeah. So.
1: I think that they need more episodes like the Dryad and they almost had it in the Banshee episode. But when like uh, half of your super squad is M.I.A., Uh, Like, Josie wasn't even in that Banshee episode. She was elsewhere in Mystic Falls, just nonsensically with Finch. And um, I don't know. It's like, comparatively, there's this other great CW show, and it's Nancy Drew. I totally recommend this, Alex, if if that's um, available in your watch time. Nancy Drew is a really good Monster of the Week format, but it doesn't really feel like Monster of the Week format. It's more like ghost stories, where they take these characters, much like the Dryad, and they have these layered ghosts that are haunted by for some reason. And you have like a a super squad of their own sorts called the Drew Crew, where they reveal the layers of this ghost where you think, oh, we have to take down it down this way. But then it's like turns out to be this haunted woman where she's, you know, had a lot of guilt in her past life or someone tortured her, or there's a lot of trauma here and there. And then when they help find peace for this ghost, like in the Banshee episode, when Alaric and Jed like teamed up and found the name of her son, she was able to find peace. I think that Legacies is really missing that personal feel when it comes to monsters and affecting characters, because I think the Banshee episode, personally, I think that could have gone more into Jed realizing it, because you know, not only was he a mouthpiece for the Banshee, but He also could, like, see a bit of her mind. So I think, it like, there's scenes in episodes that I feel are missing.
0: Hmm. There's, I mean, you mentioned Buffy earlier, and I think that really set the mold for this type of show. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of starting with the characters, figuring out the metaphor there, and then figuring out the monster from that. Not that every episode of Buffy knocked it out of the park, but just... You go back and watch that show. The first season is not that good of Buffy because they hadn't figured that out yet. And it wasn't until the second season where they're like, oh, right. It's not about the monsters of the week. It's about the characters and what they're going through and let the monsters Mm -hmm. come out of that. And I do think the best Mm -hmm. episodes of Legacies definitely do that really well. But like you're pointing to and like we've been talking around, a lot of the season three stuff was more about... What's going on with Malivore? What's the necromancer's plans? What's happening, you know, over, like you were saying, at Mystic Falls High School. And that's not it doesn't give it that focus versus again the last couple of episodes really, at least they seemed to start with what do we want to find out about Hope, Josie, and Lizzie, and then ran with it from there.
2: Right. 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 It's like they started with the characters first and then built the monsters around that. I thought that was really cool. Yes, and I and th- those tend to be their best episodes. They're like uh, alternate universe episodes tend to be the best ones,
1: or their themed episodes. I I love yeah. the therapy box episodes. The film noir one was a perfect jump start to get into dark Josie and Josie because it was the it was the noir thing that you had going on with the femme fatale and versus the goody girl next door thing so that was a perfect metaphor and kudos to them when they can get a good themed episode that can really dive into characters like when hope was in the therapy box and it's like why is she in a slasher box? That's a that's a little bit of a messy mindscape there, Hope. You want to talk about it? Is everything okay at home? But you need a um, Kit Kat. Do you need a Kit Kat? It's like and then and then you realize going into it, if if you've seen Friday the thirteenth, if you're familiar with that story, you realize that there were choices that the last girl made and that Hope was making at the very end she's caught between the boat, her escape, which is the escape for the last girl, the final girl in Friday the 13th versus running towards the murderer. (laughs) So (laughs) then it it invites the writers to have that not overt storytelling where they're like, by the way, guys, Hope, hope has chosen the wrong option here she's chosen landon the payoff is good because i think that the finale the real season three finale is going to reflect the therapy box and it's going to be like a neat package there because it'll be full circle where now that she has two options in the in the 305 which would have been the season three premiere and she has the boat option choosing josie versus running towards the murderer and landon who murdered everyone she loves and cares about Then you have at the end of the season, the same two options go towards this impending doom that is has the face of your boyfriend or going this alternate route where you can change your destiny and not necessarily have to die to get it because you can write your own way in the form of Josie. So it's this sort of storytelling that I enjoy when Legacies does because it's not overt and it's not like in your face it makes you think about things because i wouldn't have known about it if i hadn't watched friday the 13th before the episode came up because i knew that was what the episode was modeled on
0: can i just say it is shocking to me that it took us an hour and a half of talking on the hosie show to get around to hosie but i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate that you finally did
1: well we're on the hosie show do you have anything to say about how hosting is done no Re,
2: please make that the tagline. Please, please, please make that yes, the tagline. Yes, I will. Line. I'll put it please. in the description. It took us an hour and a half to talk about Hosey. This is always
1: show. actually what happens. Um, I don't know if you've listened to any of our other episodes, but in each episode, we actually go like on an hour tangent on like the originals or legacies <laughs> or the episode. And then we're like, OK, so Hosey. <laughs> we surprise ourselves with how long it takes to get to actually Hosey. No, I appreciate yeah. it. I. I I
0: liked how you brought it back around there. That was very impressive.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was was
2: totally intentional. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So So Hosey, so Hosey, so
0: Hosey. Uh, What do I think of Hosey? Uh, So I think, you know, Hosey is something that is in the show. Like, it's undeniable that it is there. They've had it in the text of the show several times. Like, it's not the sort of thing where on other CW shows that I may or may not mention that people look at it and they're like, hmm, is that a ship? Are they interested in each other romantically? And they never confirm anything. They never say anything out loud. (laughs) I'm sure you know better than I do, but Hope has said it and Josie has said it. So like, (laughs) I don't know. It's out there like they've said it at different times of their lives and they haven't necessarily pushed forward with it. But it definitely seems like the sort of thing that if the show did want to go there, it's already baked into it in a certain way. Um, so it's definitely not a crack ship or anything. It's a actual legit ship is what I would say.
1: Mm-hmm. I totally yep. agree. I think it's been something that's a long time coming under the surface of all of the writing i think in terms of it, it's very important to distinguish between screen time and story time because you can have obviously screen time words uh, in a 42 minute episode uh, 15 minutes is hope and landon but underneath the surface what's really getting baked there is is this jealousy tension angst story it far encompasses more than three seasons of a show it goes to 10 years like we've said before their relationship how how that looked and we just don't have insight into that but yeah it's like this screen time is is qualitative you or quantitative i should say and you can count it like by minutes but really it's interesting to see how much of the story of legacies is dedicated to hope's relationship with the twins and specifically like how a lot of points are to affect hope and josie where they paired josie and landon for example and that would that really made hope feel a certain type of way because if landon had moved on with uh someone else um with with lizzie or if, if landon was paired with quite literally anybody or if if Josie was paired with anybody it doesn't hit the same the way that the writers knew it had to if they put together Hope's current lover and her 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 dynamic with this girl that she's known for 10 years and there's something there intangible so I'm looking Mm. forward to seeing how in season four that progresses because in the same way where they paired Josie and Landon and how that affected Hope. They've paired Josie and this Finch character that obviously is not like any sort of threat to Hope. So how she plays off of that should be something interesting to see. Hopefully they go down that route.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I do wonder, this is probably the wrong venue for this, but something that I do think about a bit in terms of this particular ship, Uh, and I don't have any insight here, I don't have, like, any behind the scenes, but is what... uh, My guess is the reticence is what it does to the dynamic of Hope, Josie, and Lizzie, which is at the core of the show. If two of them Mm -hmm. started dating, that changes the dynamic, and it changes the thrust of the show. There's ways of working around it, I think, in the writing, but my guess is that's at least part of why they've held off on that in any particular way. Um, Because clearly Mm -hmm. from interviews, the actresses are all into it. Fans are certainly into it. Um, But it would... They clearly wanted to, at least in these last couple of episodes in particular, double down on the friendship there and the bond between them and the history between all three of them. Mm -hmm. I don't think that precludes something down the road by any mean, but that's certainly something that I do think also if I was to guess in the writer's room is something like, what does it do if hope and Josie started dating or if hope and Lizzie started dating, you know, the, obviously I don't think that is necessarily in the show. I know there are hisies shippers out there and I respect them, uh, but it hasn't <laughs> been mentioned out loud necessarily in the same way, but that would change the dynamic of the show. And again, I think that's something that when they do it, they need to, if they do it, they would need to do it the right way because it would change a lot Mm. of things for a lot of different characters.
3: Yeah. I agree. um, It just like brings up the blind spot episode to me um, and how like Josie hope basically like, you know, needed Josie to do this thing that Lizzie wouldn't do in the whole conflict of the episode is her like, going to get Josie and Josie's not ready. And I just find it interesting because I think a lot of the time, like the writing almost goes somewhere and then just like halts. Um, like Lizzie, Lizzie's whole thing was like, oh no, hope has Josie. And I think there's been like hints like that, that there's like something Lizzie knows basically about how like, easy it is for hope to get her to do something or something like that Mm -hmm. um yeah no it's yeah like i mean it's like kind of like the four episode thing i just think it's like been very like start and stop and there's like some episodes that seem so like completely dedicated to their relationship and then the next episode it's like not on the radar at all
2: yeah yeah i
3: definitely understand why they
2: would probably want to develop a friendship first Mm-hmm. Especially since mm-hmm. there is the concept of Lizzie and the twins in their own relationship with one another and like the codependency and how they deal with each other being in relationships. I mean, from what we've gotten with hints, it always seems like if Lizzie's with someone or if no, if Josie's with someone, she kind of doesn't focus on her own relationship. She's more concerned with how Lizzie um is doing and so mm-hmm. I, I feel like they definitely if they did want to do Josie, it makes sense to not only make it so Josie and Lizzie had, are maturing and learning how to grow a, not apart from each other, but grow like, you know, a separately distance, from it. Yeah. yeah. I think I understand that and 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 like Lizzie learning to come to terms with like what Josie does want and what Josie um like goes for and but then it's like also like i understand them needing to develop hope and lizzie at the same time to being friends and getting rid of all this past animosity and then i'm all together and like i understand why they're trying to do the friendship thing first it makes perfect sense to me Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. because it's like if they did it before that then it'd be like well none of this other stuff is solved and it it would create maybe like angst or problems but maybe stuff that we don't necessarily need to see um like Mm -hmm. if hope and josie had dated in season one just out of the blue definitely would have been like a whole bunch of stuff with lizzie that probably Mm -hmm. would have come up but because hope and lizzie are now friends and are growing closer to each other and they consider themselves like i I think they consider themselves best friends at this point um because i know when like (laughs) when lizzie was pretending to be hope (laughs) And Danielle had to act as like Lizzie, but in Hope's body. Mm-hmm. That and in that was funny. Um, she said something like, "Hope knows Lizzie better than anyone," or something like that. I think it shows the the mindset that they're in at this point in time in their relationship. So yeah, like I understand why they they would definitely want to develop them um, platonically first. And yeah, yeah, but now it's like what is Finch here for? What is going on with Finch and Josie? How is that going to progress? You know, what is the point of the relationship?
1: Um, yeah. I think there are a how lot of that... things coming up in the future, especially um, Kaylee's recent talk in one specific, like, upcoming stuff she mentioned. There is um, a conversation that Josie needs to have with Finch. Like, a, there's a brutal honesty... There's an honest talk between them coming. And I think that's also, it was in the synopsis, if I remember correctly, for mm-hmm. the premiere. And it's, mm-hmm. I believe it's almost like an ex's talk. I think their relationship is getting, like, they're going pretty fast on their relationship. But it's necessary because it needs to show how fast Josie got into this relationship. So the relationship itself is going really fast because this talk, it has to bring up some sort of like um, Josie's back and forth. Can I tell her this much? How much should I tell? I want to be honest with her because she's my girlfriend, but also I don't want to hurt her or something like that. Or like how much does Finch really know about the super squads? Things like that. And we need to see mm-hmm. how Josie like answers these questions and um, what things she holds back because there are things that the audience is privy to like Josie's crush on Hope. Is she going to tell Finch that? Is that technically a part of the X's talk? Things like that. And then moving forwards, when finally Hope and Landon are broken up, which I expect is the ultimate season three thing, Hope has to move forward. And now she's in in this like third wheeling situation where Lizzie is dating Ethan, um, I'm going to assume by then, and also Josie's with Finch. And now Hope is like third wheeling other people's relationships. <laughs> and also like she's still friends with the girls and um, that might invite her to be more friendly with the other guys like MG, because Hope and MG have that friendship that we see, like, once a season. And um, <laughs> <laughs> when they need to, I they totally agree, like, before a hosy romantic relationship moves forward, they need to establish what is Hope and Josie's relationship like as friends when Hope is single, and Josie's in this relationship that she clearly puts on a back burner when it comes to doing something for Hope because there's that blind spot thing going on. And then they also need to see what that looks like when Hope and Josie do inevitably show affection towards one another. How does Lizzie react to that? Because like you said, Brie, in season one, it would have been a very different like aftermath if Hope and Josie were exes or they had dated or are dating because Lizzie and Hope very much have changed from season one to season three. Because I think, in this time right now, Lizzie would probably see and realize that hope deserves someone better than Landon, and I don't know it's it depends on where Lizzie and Josie's relationship goes, like are they ready to be healthy and dependent and on themselves, but also is there that lingering thing in the back of Lizzie's mind? Like, if Josie goes with Hope, that means Lizzie is by herself because there is that obvious anxiety that we've seen occur recur throughout the series that, like, Alaric was spending too much time looking at Hope and taking care of her, that he was ignoring the twins. Like, we saw that was very obvious in the Star Wars episode. And Mm. then we have... Lizzie being anxious that everyone uh, that Josie dates, that she's gonna be left alone because Josie will ignore her. But I think they need to get to a point in all the girls' relationships, uh, especially the twins, that it's okay to share like how much love you give because there's like an infinite amount of love that you can give to multiple spheres of relationships. There's your love life, your family life, your siblings' kind of love life, you know, so it's really mm-hmm. interesting that how they're going to get there and how long that takes. Maybe that takes to four a. Maybe that takes an entire four season four, but they do need to evolve. Like that talk, they need to have that talk. Like it's okay to like have multiple relationships with people, like in different forms of love—platonic, romantic, mm-hmm. familial, etc.
2: I just, I, I, I need it to happen in season four because I don't think I can tweet Hosey season five and like <laughs> live afterwards. <laughs> um, I would very much appreciate it if, if they could start happening as a real thing. <laughs> Brett Matthews, if you're listening to this, please. <laughs> 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 I'm begging, I will send you a fruit basket. Something, exactly. <laughs> <out of place. laughs>
1: Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I think we've talked so much about season three and season four and the show as a whole. I think we can all agree that we're looking forward to this, these four episodes to conclude season three. But yeah, thank you so much, Alex, for joining us on this episode. And we hope that we could possibly talk to each other, maybe see how things pan out in the mid-season or maybe even the finale episode see if things that we talked about in this episode have come true or other things like that
0: (laughs) yeah thank you so much for having me on it was a pleasure i never really get to talk about legacies of my everyday life so i thank you for the forum thank you so much
1: more to come next week on our next episode of the hosie show you can stream the latest episode of Legacies on the CW app right now. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your audio, and for the latest news and updates, you can find us on Twitter, at The Hosey Show.